0: Good morning, Uh, welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your pastor, uh, Dick Chamberlain, our co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, who is uh, thankfully, safely back from a a well-earned week's vacation. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, grace uh, after last week's kind of hard-hitting uh, episode where we we touched on some of the egregious sins that that we commit and that may be plunging our our nation into some peril. Uh, last week's episode was it was probably a, a very good segue to to uh, the information that you're going to receive today about grace, uh, about God's matchless grace, how it's available to us, uh, and and what is it what is there any limit to its power, uh, et cetera? And um, uh, so glad to have Pastor Dick Chamberlain back with us. Uh, good morning, Pastor. Uh, good morning. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of excited about uh, this segment that we're doing today because uh, I've got before me a wonderful ten-page. Uh, uh, I, I want to call it a Sunday school booklet because. It reminds me of, of a lot of the information that, when I was a kid, uh, would get passed out to us for Sunday school. And uh, because it, it, it's, it's brief, but it's got a world of information in it that, that uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's beautiful. I, I've, I've read through what you've written here, and it's its, it's wonderful. Um, I, I think we're going to be using this today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so That's correct, yes. So as we begin to study about the matchless grace of God, if you'll get us started, uh, I surely would appreciate it. All right. Um, remember last week
1: we, um, we started our, uh, our, our podcast with uh, the verse from Psalm chapter 11, verse 3 that uh, states, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Mm-hmm. And that, that's been ringing through my mind for months now. And as I'm looking at all the foundations that are uh, that Satan is ex- uh, attempting to destroy, right? And and a- as I've prayed and I've studied, uh, I- I've got to tell you this: the one thing uh, that uh, that Satan is really the one. Let's say the one doctrine that Satan is really trying to pervert and profane is the grace of God, and. Uh, and it's no surprise because um, if our listeners will turn to the book of Jude, it's right before the book of Revelation, right after Third John. It's one chapter. It's just one chapter. Just uh, 25 verses. And, uh, but Jude is writing about things that are happening and are going to continue to happen. And it's about the apostasy that's occurring, not only in the world, but in our churches itself. And, and by, re, by way of proof, I'm going to read to you uh, from the book of Jude, verse 3 and verse 4. Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints earnestly contend for it and why because in verse four it says for there are certain men crept in unawares well where are they creeping in well they're creeping into our assemblies
0: yeah our churches yeah they are
1: there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men And what makes him ungodly? Jude continues, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. Grace is one of the cornerstones, the doctrinal cornerstones of the Christian faith. And if Satan can, and his minions can tear that down or even water it down they win
0: yep Yep. but folks we're going to be the winners i read the end of the book <laughs> and we win <laughs> praise the lord so
1: in my studies about grace and i've written a couple of articles on grace uh which may or may not be available before too long to you but uh, uh, I'm I'm uh, majoring on the doctrine of grace, and today we're going to go to Titus chapter two, and I'll give you a minute or two to get there. Titus is right after First and Second Timothy. Titus was one of Paul's young disciples, and here's what he writes to him, and I'm I'm going to. I'm going to read this in bits and pieces, but uh, uh, you'll get the whole thing as we go along. It starts out in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I read that, and I said, really? How is this possible? It's appeared to all men? Mm Mm-hmm. I, had, I, I was reading from a preacher one day, uh, from one of his, he wrote several booklets, and, and he said, every man is born, now when I say man, that's a generic, I mean men and women, every human being is born with a God spot. <laughs> they are born with the format of faith. And somebody's going to say, well, prove that to me. Well, uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 1, please. Um, boy that's when you read romans chapter one you wonder and you wonder <laughs> let's let's go to um paul has just gotten done writing about um or i'm not ashamed of uh, the gospel of jesus christ um and uh, it, because it's uh, it, it's it's a, how god is revealed uh, for therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written "The just shall live by faith then in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1 it says for the wrath of God the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ALL Whoops. all wow. ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth In unrighteousness one of these days we're going to uh, do a lesson on what is truth but let's continue because that which may be known of God now listen folks I'm just reading the scriptures this is not
2: something that dick is making up because that which may be known of God is manifest in them
1: for God hath showed it unto them. Wow. <laughs> and so when I see that the grace of God which to bring us salvation, has appeared unto all men, God has revealed it to all men. Now, how has he done this? Well, first of all, if you look at Psalm chapter 19, and I'll give you a moment to turn there, if you, uh, Psalm 19, one of my favorite, one of my favorite psalms, uh, I love how it begins and, it's just wonderful psalm chapter 19 verse one says the heavens declare the glory of god
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day uttereth speech night unto night showeth knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard their line has gone (laughs) out through all the earth Their words to the end of the world. In them hath He set a tabernacle for the sun. And so, dearly beloved, everybody, everybody has to, to whom everybody has been revealed is the is the grace and the glory and the greatness of God. Uh, if you've got nothing else, you've got nature to show you.
2: That's right. Uh,
1: yeah. So uh, th- that's not all. Uh, turn to uh, Colossians chapter one verse 23. And when I read this I was astounded. I said, what what have I been
2: what have I been
1: missing? I've been studying all these years and all of a sudden these verses keep popping out at me and the Holy Spirit reaches out, grabs my lapels and shakes me and says says, "Listen to this."
0: Yep. That's the way it works. So
1: and so in, in Colossians 1.23, says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not away, uh, moved away from the hope of the gospel. With, now this to this. The hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wow. <laughs> now, I'm not lying to you. And, and you could argue with me. But please don't argue with God. I just read to you His
0: Word. It's, Pastor, isn't it, yeah. ama- isn't it amazing that yep. that there are no contradictions in Scripture? Even though there are many that will argue, yes, there are, it's obvious. The Word of God, yep. yeah. the word of God has no contradictions in it whatsoever.
1: That's right. We've got verses that say... That talks about God who cannot lie. That's right. It not that He just doesn't? He just can't. Yeah. And so when I read His Scripture, I have to say He's not lying to me. Now, I've got an illustration, Curtis. Years ago,
0: you and I were going to a our family, going to a, a United Brethren Church. I remember. And a wonderful.
1: Remember Pastor
0: Birdsall? I right, sir, wonderful. I'll never, I'll never forget him.
1: He's in, he's in heaven
0: now. Yes, sir. A preacher, a presenter of the Word of God. Amen. We disagreed with one of his doctrines, but uh, we loved his preaching. He, we knew he was saved and knew he was sanctified and all of that stuff. Absolutely. One day at that United Brethren Church,
1: we had a missionary come in from uh, from South Africa. Not. Not just the country of South Africa, but all, all of South Africa, Mozambique, Rwanda, Burundi—all of those countries—he had been preaching in, and he he preached our Sunday morning service. He taught in Sunday school, and then after church, we invited him
0: to our house. And I, I think you might remember this. I, I do. He, he he came for dinner, and uh, he and his wife had dinner. And
1: when we were going to allow them to rest in, uh, in our bed. Uh, for a while and get a nap so that they could you know rest up from their travels and be ready for the sunday evening service but during our conversation that afternoon he uh, he related a story to us he said he was doing a series of evangelistic meetings in mozambique and and there were going to be a week of meetings and about in the midst of the week into the meeting walked a huge man he said he was about 6'10", if not taller, and he was dressed in tribal garb. And he came in and sat down and listened. And, of course, there were translators there. And uh, he, he was assuming that the man was a Watutsi and probably from the Rwanda-Burundi area, which quite a ways away from Mozambique. And, and the Watusis walked and ran everywhere they went. They didn't ride horses. And so he walked in. And at the invitation, he got up, walked the aisle, came up front and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. (laughs) And and listen to this now. He made this statement to that missionary. He said, my people have always known that there was just such a man as this Jesus. We just did not know what to call him. Wow. Wow. The grace of God.
0: That bring us salvation has appeared unto all men all men now let's get into the meat let's go back
1: to titus chapter two interesting interesting verse it says uh, uh, for the grace of god that bringeth salvation verse 11 hath appeared to all men teaching us folks if we don't latch on to grace probably the cornerstone of all christian doctrine if we don't latch on to grace live in grace learn from grace man we're of all men most miserable but the grace of god to bring us salvation has appeared to us teaching us that's we who are saved that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world now what do, now, This is going to be an outline that's going to be alliterated. And uh, if you're taking notes, uh, there's going to be four points here, and they all begin with the letter L. So uh, now my wife is sitting in a couch behind me, and she's snickering. Uh, She knows I alliterate everything. I tell jokes with alliteration in them.
0: So anyway. That's the truth, folks.
1: So, So what does... The grace of God teaches us. First of all, it teaches us what to do about lusts. Mm-hmm. It says, "Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts." Lusts are extreme uh, de- desires uh, and longing for that which is forbidden. I'll tell you what—that was—that uh, was what. Uh, was the problem in the Garden of Eden, uh, as we were, uh, as we will see in just a moment. So, we that are saved by grace. Must not forget that we still have a sin nature. All right, that was cast upon the whole human race through Adam. First Corinthians 15 verses 21 and 22 explains it. They say, "For since," Paul says, "For since by man came death, and that man was Adam." And then he goes on to say, for as in Adam, all die. Romans 3.23 adds this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, by the way, the word gift is the same word in the Greek for for grace. That's right. Yep. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And sadly, I must report that we, as believers, we still sin. Yeah. Curtis, you and I still sin.
0: Indeed. I don't like it. I uh, hate it when I do it. Me too. But,
1: but our sin is covered by grace,
0: by God's matchless grace. Yeah.
1: And so, sin is our old nature; we inherited it. Now, now, since we inherited it, I want you quickly to say that don't take this as a license to sin. First John 2, 1 says this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the Apostle John further deals with that problem in 1 in John 1, 8. He says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Yep. Then he goes on to say, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us that's the first john 1 10. but hooray for first john 1 9. if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins cleanse us from some of our no no cleanses us from all unrighteousness uh-huh. and you know even the apostle paul knew right well that he still possessed the deadly sin nature when he confessed in romans chapter 7 verse 18 he says for i know that in me that is in my flesh Dwelleth no good thing. Mm -hmm. Here's a guy that wrote 13 books of the New Testament under the inspiration of God. And he knew that he still had the sin nature.
0: Called himself the chief of sinners, didn't he?
1: He did. He did. He persecuted the church, put people in jail, whipped them. Boy, he was nasty. And then he got saved. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So, um and so it seems apparent to me as i read the scriptures that lust is the prominent sin and probably the oldest sin first john two sixteen says uh for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world all these things were recorded in Genesis chapter 3 in the temptation of Eve in the garden. So you can read that in, in Genesis chapter 3, but I'll just give you a brief summary. Uh, uh, Eve was being tempted by Satan, and, uh, and, when, and she saw that the tree was, was pr- attractive.
0: Lust of the eyes.
1: Yeah. And that it was good to the taste.
0: Lust of the flesh. It was good to make men wise. Pride of life.
1: You got all three of them, buddy. Yep, all three of these are recorded in Genesis chapter 3 in in Eve's temptation in the Garden of Eden. Got them kicked out of the Garden, by the way. Yeah. Now, to, clu- to conclude this, this yeah. section of our listen, I, I want to refer you to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Remember, what should we do uh, with our lusts? It says... In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses and that that's in chapters 11 of Hebrews he says then let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us mm-hmm. now this is something Curtis we must learn and this is something that grace teaches us mm-hmm. It says, for the grace of God teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Right. Yep. That's, that's what it says. Um, now, uh, how should we live? First of all, we've got to do away with our lusts, right? Right. Secondly, we're to live soberly, godly, and righteously in this present world. Mm-hmm. And it says that in uh, verse... Third, verse 12, third 12 of uh, Titus 2. Mm-hmm. To so- what does that mean, to least, be sober? Does that mean to stay away from alcohol? Yeah. Stay away from booze?
0: Yeah. Well, it could. <laughs> it, could. it could. But in this case, it means it the, the word sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: The word sober in the Greek means uh, sound. Mm hmm. A, a sound. Have a sound
2: mind. We mm-hmm. should live sound mindedly. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm.
1: Yeah, I'm making up a phrase, I guess, uh, or a title. Now, now, how does one have a sound mind, Curtis? I mean, and and people who are listening, I'm going to tell you. uh, It's not, you don't go see the shrink.
0: The shrink's never saved anybody. That's right. Only the gospel
1: does. Only sound doctrine. And that sound doctrine is is bolstered by the doctrine of grace. And so and so, how do we have a sound mind by hearing yeah. and adhering to sound doctrine? Mm-hmm. Now, the word doctrine means a teaching, a body of teaching. The word doctrine occurs seventeen times. In the pastoral epistles and why wouldn't it these are the pastors they're the ones that are going to be using the word of god uh, either good or badly Uh, so it occurs 17 times in first second timothy and titus and four times four times uh, the word doctrine is preceded by the word sound Mm -hmm. so the pastor the teacher is to present sound doctrine by studying and rightly dividing the word of truth, I mean if if you're if you're listening in, uh, here, I got three L's for you. Listen to it, learn it, and live by it. Grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to live soberly and sound-mindedly, and this is for our education and edification, so it can be smart and we can be sage. That he wise. Well, secondly, it says we're to live righteously. Isn't that interesting,
0: Kurt? It is. Live, right, live righteously. I, I mean, uh, sometimes, do you ever get angry? Never. Well, Never wait a minute. Shun. Well, wait a minute. No, I, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. I, Pastor, I may have gotten angry last week on the podcast, I, if if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> sin not so it's okay because god
1: is angry with the wicked every day but this yeah well what does it mean so uh, what i'm saying to you is we do we live righteously all the time what does it mean to live righteously (laughs) it it, it certainly doesn't mean to live sinlessly because as we've already seen in our lesson earlier right uh, we
0: can't and we don't that's right so, let's
1: go back to Romans chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For what saith the Scripture? You
0: know, that's a good place to start everything. Absolutely. <laughs> what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness.
1: Yep. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Romans 4, verse 3. Paul's alluding uh, to Genesis 15, 6. It says the same thing. And then... Paul repeats this again in Galatians 3, 6, same thing. And in James, this fourth
2: time, (laughs) it's the
1: same thing. Abraham believed God. He didn't do anything good. Didn't wash his hands. He didn't spank his child. He didn't love his wife or anything like that. He believed God. And it was counted unto him for
0: righteousness. Is that the only qualification, Pastor? That is
1: the qualification, young man. Okay. Now, while of these references, uh, Abraham is the example. But what about us who are saved today? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for us? Well... Yeah, let's look at Romans chapter 4 and if you're following along in your scriptures I'll give you I'll, I'll fiddle around a little bit and give you time to get there Romans because it took me some time <laughs> Romans chapter 4 and and um um we're talking about Abraham again and talking about how he believed God uh, his wife was was unable she could, because of age to uh, to produce children for him but God said, you're going to have a seed. Now, he had already messed up and had Ishmael by hand, by a bondmaid, yeah. and that messed up things. But uh, he said, what do you mean? I, she's, she's just past childbearing, and what do you mean by this? And, uh, and he said, no, you'll have a son. So Abraham believed God. Yep. And sure enough, he had Isaac so in Romans chapter 4 which is talking about that same story in verse 20 it says he that is Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in the faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded by the way that's a good definition of real faith and being fully persuaded that he had that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. <laughs> not that he had a child, but that he believed. Now, verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for
2: us also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To whom it
1: shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And so when Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says that we're to live soberly, godly, and righteously, well, wait a minute. What? How do we live righteously? We yep.
0: live righteously.
1: Why? By
0: believing, believing God. God. That's right. Yep. Righteousness
2: is imputed to all of us who believe.
0: Amen. We're justified the moment, the instant that we believe. And
1: at that instant, in that moment, righteousness is imputed, accounted, and reckoned to all of us and now we can do righteous things titus 3 5 says not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us righteousness doesn't save us because we can't do righteous things just read romans chapter 3. (laughs) we can't do anything righteous unless and until we believe so but i understand this though okay curtis um (laughs) I've got to, I've got to put this in here because it's in my book and it came to my mind a long time ago. Uh, we got to conclude that uh, to live righteously is to live believing, but it's not
0: that we understand everything. Right. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't understand everything, Curtis, and I've been
1: doing this preaching for well over 40 years. And I don't understand everything. Uh, you might say, well, that's because you're not too smart, Dad, but I, I, I'm i not dumb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one of my yeah. rules of, pr- of teaching and preaching is this. If I know anything, it's that I don't know everything. Wow. Yeah. So living righteously doesn't mean that we have to understand every scripture.
0: Yeah, 1 no, Corinthians. we will. 1 Corinthians yeah. 13, 12 is where you're going, aren't you?
1: Well, you stinker. You're not,
0: you're, you're, not, you're not supposed to beat me to those things. You know that. Sorry about that, Pop. That's, oh, that, that's another unwritten rule, all right? Yeah. Gotcha. I'll, I've got that oh, logged right. down here. Yep. Okay. Yep. 1
1: Corinthians 13, by the way, that's the love chapter. Yes. Eight times we see the word charity is Not a lot of love but it's just but it's a word that could be translated love and and so people call that the love chapter uh, i got after a pastor once whom i love dearly and still do and he still laughs about this very thing i said i think john first john chapter 4 is the love chapter and they looked at me uh, quizzically and i said because i see the word love in that chapter 27 times <laughs> So what really is the love chapter? Chapter
0: First Corinthians thirteen? Yeah. Or first John chapter
1: four? Both of them.
0: Both of them. You bet.
1: First Corinthians thirteen gives us the principles of love. And first John chapter four gives us the practices of love. Yep. But I but I kind of swerved off the road there for a minute. Paul says in First Corinthians thirteen twelve, For now we see through a glass darkly. Uh Isn't that amazing? In other words, we don't see everything clearly, but he says then, but then face to face. Now, I know in part, this is Paul saying this, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And that means when I
0: see Jesus face to face, I'm going to understand it all better. Hallelujah. Huh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Peter alludes to all of Paul's epistles. He says, in which are some things hard to be understood, which
0: they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist or uh, uh, entangle. Yeah, they wrestle with as they
1: do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. And see, righteous living, I'm saying all that, to to say this, righteous living is believing that you understand everything it's just that the grace of god that brings salvation teaches us how to live righteously thirdly we're to live godly titus chapter two again our text that says looking for it says that we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world how many people can you count right now that you know are living godly (sighs)
2: <sighs> yeah, that's a hard question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's go to the
1: scriptures. Godly living is equated with holy living or sanctified living. In Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45, uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, for your information uh, later, you can look it up. Look it up. God admonishes this thusly, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Godly living is holy living. It's sanctified living. Sanctified means to purify or to wash. And by the way, that you and I are sanctified the moment we get saved. Sanctified comes in three stages. Well, sometimes people will say four. First of all, sanctification is positional. The minute you get saved, you're sanctified.
0: Amen. Then it's progressive. It's a work. The longer in, you live as a Christian, and the longer you live in the Scriptures, and the longer you practice them and do them, the
1: cleaner you get. It's a work in progress. Yeah. It's a work in progress, so you would be sanctified. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe, uh, uh, talks about that. And, and anyway, and then in, in thirdly, it's perfect. One day when I get to heaven, I'll be sinless. Amen. And so I'll be perfect. But in the meantime, I should make a Herculean effort to be as pure as it's possible for me to be and in second peter three eleven, peter's talking about how the earth is going to be burned up and there's going to be new heavens and there's going to be a new earth someday and so he writes about this concerning the coming new heavens and the earth new earth and he says this seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness and how do we do that, Curtis? The grace of God that brings salvation teaches this. Yes, sir.
0: Yep. It certainly does. Now, let's, let's
1: continue. Um, the grace of God teaches us what to look for. If you look, at, uh, if you look at verse 13 of Titus chapter 2, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ what should we look for you know there are three opinions the lion and i'm not going to argue with theologians uh, on this i'm just going to tell you what i believe about it first the first opinion is that this is the rapture of the church age saints Mm -hmm. and and i'm not going to argue with that Mm -hmm. uh The verse says, for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The second thing is uh, they think that it's the return of Jesus Christ to the earth that's being spoken of here. And number three, and this is what I believe, that it's the concomitant of both the rapture and the return because of the, the comma after hope and the conjunction preceding the glorious appearing of mm. our great God.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think he's talking both
1: about the rapture and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are two different things. Yeah. Okay, if you want to read about the rapture, if you're f- listening to this, you, it's it's really, uh, it's in the, the two places you go to are 1 Thessalonians chapter four verses 13 through 18 and uh, then you go to first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 51 uh, to the end of that chapter I believe it's chapter 58
0: one of my favorite passages I love that passage
1: me too me too (laughs) so anyway (coughs) pardon me but see I think there are two different things uh, that are being spoken for the blessed hope number one and the and the uh, glorious appearing—that's the return of Jesus Christ, number two. So about the rapture, and and Curtis, as you're studying, and people who are listening as you're studying this scripture, pay attention to some of the small words which you think are insignificant, but
0: they ain't. Right. I got straight A's in English, <laughs> but anyway, anyway. First of all, in 1
1: Thessalonians 4.17, Jesus comes in the air.
0: That's right. He comes
1: for his saints in 1 Corinthians 15.57. and 1 Thessalonians 4.16-17, he comes in the air. He comes for his saints. Uh, the event is announced by the sound of a trumpet. Mm. And you'll see that in First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two, Revelation chapter four verse one, and then in First Thessalonians four sixteen, it, Jesus comes with a shout. Yeah. Now the next thing I want you to know is no one on earth sees him at this event, sure. and you know why? Because he doesn't come to the earth, and because it happens in a moment, in the,
0: the twinkling, twinkling of, of an eye. eye. Yep.
1: 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two, And by the way, the timing of the rapture is imminent. By that, I mean
0: it could happen at any time. It could happen before we finish today. It could. And I hope it does. <laughs> Me but, too. Uh, yeah, but if it doesn't,
1: I'm going to finish what we're doing today. The timing is imminent at any time. No, No signs accompany the rapture. None. And, this, and it comes at the uh, 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 um, no accompanying signs at the end of the church age okay uh, uh, uh revelation chapter four verse one says after this and in chapters two and three of revelation it talks about the seven ages of the history of the church and the last age is the church of laodicea right. we don't know when that's going to be mm-hmm. but we know it's going to end it and it's the rapture of the church and that is our blessed hope and right. we supposed to sorrow not even as others who have no hope
2: that's right.
1: now jesus return must be the glorious appearing now jesus comes are you ready for the prepositions to earth revelation chapter 1 7 jesus comes with clouds, not in clouds, but with clouds. Mm -hmm. Revelation 1-7. Jesus comes with his saints. Jude 14. Mm -hmm. Every eye shall see Jesus. Revelation 1-7. The blessed hope or the rapture is about resurrection, but the return of Jesus is about Jesus' reign on earth. Yeah, And so yeah. we should be looking for how, what, what should our look be like? Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, so the timing of the return is uh, explicit. At the end of the at tribulation, at the end of the church age, then the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ returns. So uh, you and I aren't are going to go through the tribulation, by the way, and that's yeah. another lesson. But the timing of the return of Jesus Christ is explicit. Okay. Now, look, as we're believers, here's here's what we're to do. We're, the grace of God teaches us the looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Three things. First of all, we should look up. Yeah. Look up verse 28 and you ought to read the verses that precede that because there are some awful things that are going to be coming to pass and then luke writes and when these things begin to come past then 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 look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh
0: <laughs> secondly we're to look ahead. Let us run
1: with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We need to be looking forward to the finish line where Jesus is because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, And he's at the end of this race, no matter how long it is. So, you know what? I love sprinters, because that's what I did best. Uh, I didn't say I was perfect, but I did best at sprinting, and you, you finally you had to be about a senior in high school, and you were finally able to beat me, but I was older. <laughs> okay, okay. But we're to look ahead. Sprinters, when that gun goes off, they stay in their lane. They don't look side to side. That's right. They look at that finish line. Yep. And that's what we should be doing, looking towards the finish line. And then number three, we should look, not only look up, not only look ahead, but we should look beyond, beyond, look beyond. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Wherein dwelleth righteousness, not rioting. Not ruthlessness, yeah. not restlessness. Yep. The new heavens and the earth. Righteousness. Amen. Now the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us this. Now let's start to put the uh, uh, the hat on the head on this one. What about God's love? That's what that's what this is teaching us. In uh, in Titus chapter two. Verse 14, it says, the great God, and that's in the previous verse, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave, there's that grace word, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Mm -hmm. This is the same Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace.
0: Thank you, Lord.
1: And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, for he, that's God, hath made him, that's Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Mm -hmm. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm -hmm. He was made sin. For you and for me and for all of you who are listening. What love. Isn't that amazing? John fifteen, thirteen says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Yep. He'd laid down his life for you and for me. Wow. Number three, I want you to see what what first Corinthians five, verse twenty and twenty-one wow. says. Know ye not that ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Mm-hmm. John three sixteen. Oh, my goodness. We've, we read it. We memorize it. We preach it. But do we get the full impact of it? For God so loved. The word so has got two letters in it. Just two letters. In Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, it has 21 lines of definition. Yeah. And the main one means he so loved us he loved us in such a way or in such a manner god so loved the world that he gave there's our grace word that he gave his only begotten son some verses take out some bible versions take out that word begotten shame on them
0: shame shame
1: for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever ...is baptized.
0: Oops. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Back up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoever
1: takes communion... Uh-oh. N-
0: no? No. No, that's not it no. either.
1: Whoever goes to the confession booth on Saturday uh, afternoon...
0: Oh, no. that, that's not it?
1: No. Whosoever believeth on him... Oh. ...plus or minus nothing. That's right. Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have ever life yeah. yeah that's god's love our redemption curtis our righteousness our remission of sin are all bought and paid for by jesus christ yes what love
0: it's incredible well, incredible
1: The, I'll reach through the phone and grab you by the throat. Yeah, oh, I could I could wow.
0: listen I could listen all day, believe me, I could. <laughs> and I could do this all day. I know me. I, okay. I know you could. <laughs> okay.
1: So good works. I love the word peculiar. <laughs> I think that I'm. A, I think that I'm an oddball,
0: <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I've <laughs> known. <laughs> I've known this for years. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know it. That was a. That was a worldly amen,
2: wasn't it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. The word peculiar comes from a Greek word, which means one's own.
1: we are to be he purified he died to purify unto himself a people that he owns never forget that that's right but a people he owns zealous of good works. Now we've already said, you know, we've already talked about how you could get good works don't save you. Ephesians two eight and nine and ten says that for grace are you, by grace are you saved through faith, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. That's right. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Again, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not by not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according his, to his mercy he saved us. So good works, what good are they? What about our good works? Okay, and I'm going to close with this. There's just five things. First of all, we've already said uh, in Ephesians 2.10, 2 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, and so uh, our good works are preordained. Yes. In Titus, chapter two, verse seven, it says, "In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, and so forth." And so it says in, in Titus two seven that good works should be a pattern it should be a plan it should be our blueprint for living but let's look at Titus chapter 3 verse 1 put them in mind to be subject under principalities and powers to obey magistrates to be ready to do every good work Kurt we need to be prepared
0: we do We need to be prepared to good works and i don't want to hasten
1: through this or anything but but uh uh, uh, paul writes to timothy the same thing that we need to be prepared to do every good work second timothy chapter 2 verse 21 so our works are preordained we ought to have a pattern of good works. we ought to be prepared to do good works now all of this should be done because of our passion. Do you have a passion to do good works, people? Amen. Do you, th- Or do you think it's just kind of a sidelight? You know, kind of something that we add on? No. Jesus wanted to purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous. zealous mm-hmm. People who have a passion to do good works. You know what a good work is? is winning people to Jesus Christ.
0: That's That's the best one.
1: When it's not being done, uh, I don't. I don't want to uh, prolong this anything. But you and I, and Tom Pearson and his boys, started a Sunday school bus route.
0: I remember it. Do pa- you remember it? Pontiac, Michigan. Yep,
1: They're in one of the adjoining communities. Yep. Uh, called Auburn Hills. That's right. Do you know that we made over one thousand house-to-house calls on our feet?
0: I was you there. F- I were. was there for many of them.
1: You were there with most of them. i tell you. You were there. Uh, I was pushed off of a porch one day. One day I had a shotgun <laughs> yeah. pointed in my face uh-huh. when the guy opened the door. Yep. We went and and we made over almost a 1,000 calls before we got one single rider on our bus. And it was a little girl, about 11 or 12 years old. She she was wearing a white skirt that didn't cover almost anything. But she had her little Bible, and she flagged us down in our bus on Sunday morning. And that was our very first rider after 900 and some calls.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Soul winning is not easy, folks.
0: Nope it's not
1: so winning is not easy but if there's ever was a good work that's it for sure so our good works are preordained they should be a pattern we need to be prepared to do them we ought to have a passion for good works and number five our good works are be done through our perseverance.
0: Perseverance, yeah. There should be a
1: perseverance. We should to keep, <laughs> on, keep on keeping on.
0: Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, yeah.
1: T- uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 8 says this. This is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou confirm consistently that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Yeah. These things are good and profitable unto men. And so these are five things about what good works are and how you're to do them. Now, I should have put a number six in my booklet because Titus chapter three, verse eight says, these things are good and profitable unto men. All of these things. The grace of God that brings salvation teaches us. Now, Curtis, what's our job in all of this? Well, yep. Titus 2:15 says this: These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee, as pastors, teachers, leaders, as as Christians. We are to take these things, in quotes, and speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And where does our authority come from? God. That's right. It's as simple as that. And so with God as your authority and mine, we need to do this. And then it says, let no man despise thee. Now, I've said before. We fundamentalists, we Bible believers, we we holier we holier than all Christians, you know. <laughs> we have a target on our back. We're the ones being shot at yeah, in are. all this mess. Yep. And uh, and I feel the slings and arrows. And of course, Ephesians chapter six tells me that we got to take the shield of faith, and then let's do this. But but what what uh, Paul is telling Timothy is, don't act. Like you're being despised. That's right. Let it roll off your back. Yep. As Jesus Christ forgave you, so also do you. First Corinthians chapter 3. Yep. That's Get over it.
0: <laughs>
1: Get on with it. Get going on it. And do it.
0: That's right. Couldn't agree with you more, Pastor.
1: And this is what the grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches us. Now, can we close in a word of prayer, Curtis?
0: If you would, please, sir. Go ahead.
1: Our God and our Savior father of our lord and savior jesus christ we thank you so much for your precious and holy word we thank you for the word that was made flesh jesus christ and the word that is that that was made uh, on parchment with with ink and uh, the word that the holy spirit gave and and directs we thank you so much for these things we thank you for giving us this privilege of doing this And we do it all for your honor and for your glory, but we want to do it for the education and edification of your people. We also want to do it for uh, the redemption of people who do not yet know you as Jesus Christ. And at this point, we as believers, as brethren in Christ, urge our listeners to, if you're not saved, believe on the lord jesus Christ his death burial and resurrection amen. on your behalf because he loved you amen and you will be saved and we'll praise God with you amen. and we pray it in Jesus name for his sake amen
0: amen amen well pastor i want to thank yes. you for for that instructive and edifying hour and uh it's a reminder to us I mean I I don't understand. We're not. I know we can't get into this right now, but it's hard to understand how, after knowing what God did for us and has done for us, how we could not love Him. Yep. Hard to understand. Yep. It that's and that's one of the things I will never understand. Yeah. Only way I can
1: understand is is sin, but. Goodness gracious! Well, I do.
0: That's what causes us to see through the glass darkly, not understand yeah, it. You know. It, that's right. You're, you've got it. But uh, you've
1: got it. You're reading it
2: correctly.
0: But I'll tell you what. I I, I am so thankful for the opportunity uh, to participate in this ministry with you, and uh, it, it's, it's 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 a wonderful thing that uh, that uh, that God has given us an opportunity to do, and I. I, I pray that we do it correctly, and I, I, I feel like we do. And uh, we are privileged and honored to be able to, to bring you this information, and, and uh, we, we want to be able to continue to do so. And, and we thank you, uh, our listening audience, for being with us uh, faithfully. Uh, we pray that you'll spread the word because uh, the, these are things that your next-door neighbor needs to hear. Uh, your best friend who, who doesn't know Christ, uh, maybe somebody you work with. Uh, but we need we need to get the word out there. Uh, we need to evangelize in this way, and uh, we pray that you're edified uh, by being with us. Uh, we are edified by by being able to be with you and to and to uh, go over all of this information, this wonderful Word of God. And we pray that you'll be with us next Wednesday as we do so, Pastor. Thank you once again, and we will uh, see you in next episode next week. Thank you. <laughs>